Yeah, we've got some amazing young people that have prepared um, something to speak into our lives today during the preach. But first of all, I just want to tell you about something that we did five weeks ago now. So we went on our annual youth weekend away. Um, so we've got just a few testimonies to tell of that in a little video. Um, so if you think about our youth group, guaranteed the first word that would come into your head would be fun. If it's not fun, it might be talented, good-looking, etc. Hilarious, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we think of fun. So our youth weekend away was loads and loads of fun. But more than that, um, we built our relationships with each other and we built our relationship with God. And it was so exciting coming home, feeling like we were at a new level um, with each other as a youth group and with God. So if we just fire up the video first, we're going to watch some highlights of our youth weekend away. So, as Sarah said, there's something that you can't deny, we are a fun group, and I'm sure that you are too. Um, so you might have picked up at the end that the theme of our weekend away was truth or dare, and I know that the Light Church isn't a church full of a load of wimps, so let's do a bit of some dares this morning. So, we'll get to the truth in a bit, but now it's time for some dares. So I'm looking for five daring volunteers. 
And um, I'm just going to warn you, probably if nobody volunteers, if you're a parent of a teenager, you're probably going to get nominated anyway. So you might as well cut to the chase and volunteer. So five daring volunteers. <laughs> so youth, uh, there seems to be a bit of reluctance. So who are we going to nominate? Tim Morphy! <laughs> Anyone else? Dave Edwards! Where is he? He's not there. Oh, he's there. We need three more. Come on, but some other volunteers as well. Ed, you'll do it, won't you? Yeah, and some girls. Helen Watts, there we go. You've been nominated. One more person. Kiri, you look like you're. You look like up for it. Okay. Round of applause. Kiri's like, what did I do? Okay, so we are going to play a very exciting game of egg roulette. So who likes eggs? Cooked? Raw? No. Okay, so what we've got, um, Sarah, Sarah, they're here, Sarah. So we'll give you, we'll give you some um, uh, protection gear. Um, oh, here we go. So we have got... Five eggs in here. Now, I've, I was a bit clumsy earlier, and I meant to boil them all, but I accidentally forgot to boil two of them. So, um, so yeah, so we might need to just test out which ones are, which ones are raw and which ones aren't. So, um, in order to do that, we're going to give you a little quiz, okay? So, there's a quiz on Bible Proverbs. Yeah. Helen's like, my special subject. Um, so, we're going to ask you, we're going to tell you a proverb, and uh, one by one, and we, you're going to tell us whether you think it's from the Bible, or whether it's not from the Bible. If you get it right, you can pick one of these eggs, one to five, for somebody else. If you get it wrong, you have to pick one of these eggs for yourself. Yeah, step forward a little bit. And we've got some um, floor, we've got some floor gear as well. Uh, and then, just to test whether it's uh, a raw or a bald one, we need you to crack it against your forehead, okay? So, okay, are, are, we, are we sort of nearly ready? Great. Cameras at the ready? Oh. <laughs> there we go. Yay. Okay, I think we're ready to go. So, Kiri, we'll start with you. So, th is this proverb from the Bible or not? Okay, ready? Pleasant words are like honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Is that from the Bible or not? Yes. Correct. So, you can pick an egg and a person. <laughs> so, Tim, after, after, we'll count down from three and then you can splat it on your forehead, okay? Three, two, one... Oh, okay. That's good news for the rest of you. 
Okay. <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. We're moving along. Helen. Okay. A happy heart makes the face cheerful. Well, I like it. I'm going to say Bible. It is from the Bible. Helen, one, two, three, or five? Um, I'd pick number three. Number three. Okay, and who are you going to get to splat this on their forehead? <laughs> okay, let's count down then. Are you going to do it for him, Helen? <laughs> three, two, one. Hey! Okay. Rescued. Okay. <laughs> are you all right? Can you, can you see? Are you seeing double? Okay. Next one. Okay, Dave. A man is never too old to learn. Bible or not Bible? Let's go not Bible. Right? Okay, correct. So one, two, or five? Five. And who, who are you nominating? Ed, okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Hey! Okay. <laughs> this isn't working out too well for you, Tim, is it? <laughs> okay, Ed. Okay, Ed. A word spoken can never be taken back. Not Bible. It is a Chinese proverb. Well done. So, one or two? Okay, and who are you nominating? <laughs> it's nice to know you've got a church that loves you, isn't it? Okay. Okay. In. Do you want to come over here, Ed? No. In three, two, one. Hey! So, seeing as there's one left, Tim. Tim, I want to know if you know this one. You ready? Better to live in the corner of a roof than share a house with a nagging wife. <laughs> hey, there you go. You get an egg to eat. There you go. Round of applause for our volunteers. Great. Cool. Fantastic. Can we just... Okay, so we've got some of our youth who are going to come up now and just tell us a little bit about the weekend and uh, kind of deal with maybe more of the truth part of the weekend. So who's that? Lydia, Ethan, Dan. Thank you. So our theme on the weekend away, just in case you didn't get it, was truth or dare. So we looked at God's truth. The three um, little talks we had during the weekend about truth was... The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So we looked at, in a world full of lies and things that are trying to tell us this is the truth, this is the truth, how do we know what is the truth? Um, what does the Bible say is the truth? We also looked at the truth setting us free, so how the word of God and Jesus is the only way to freedom. And we looked at daring to share, so how do we go and share our faith with people who don't know it? So I'm just going to ask these lovely volunteers some things about the weekend away. So... I'm going to start with Dan. What did you enjoy most about the weekend away? Um, well, all the, all the talks were really good by Sarah, Rachel, and Johnny, I think. Um, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael, I don't know if he's here, but the, uh, the worship that he led was really good and interactive. So. Great. Great answer. Woo. Okay. 
Lydia, what did you enjoy most about the weekend away? Um, I like being with everyone, but I also really like the picture challenge that we did in the town where we had to like we had a series of pictures that we had to take in teams. And me and Lydia were in the winning team, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Ethan, what was the worst thing? No, the worst day of the weekend. We had a lot of disgusting days, didn't we? What was the worst one we made you do? So probably the worst one was when I'd, it was on the slide. So we all had cups uh, and we sat in a big circle and we had uh, like lollipop sticks with a laminated card on top saying yes or no. And the leaders read out a Chinese proverb or a, bi- a proverb from the Bible. And if it was from the Bible, we had to say yes. And if it wasn't, we said no. And if we got it wrong, then we got something like a drink into our cup. And if it if we got it right, then we didn't. So the drinks, well, the first one was uh, some cheap cola. Uh, and then the second one was grape juice. So it was getting progressively worse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> A bit like the weekend. Oh. <laughs> he means by going home, it was the worst bit. What, what did you have in your uh, drink by the end of it? So I had um, cola, grape juice and lemon and lime. So you missed the oysters. What else did we have? Some weird fish. Marmite, mustard, yeah. You did quite well. You know your proverbs, yeah? Like your dad. Okay, so where am I at? Okay, Dan, back to you. Okay, what impacts you the most about God's truth, or what did you learn on the weekend away about God's truth? Um, so the truth of the Bible is very countercultural to the truth of the, the world, and what the world says is uh, wrong and right to what the Bible says is wrong and right. So that was really good. Great, great. And great to be like a group of young people learning about that in the culture that we're facing today. I think that was amazing. Okay, and Ethan, I'm going to ask you the same question. What impacted you the most about God's truth? What did you learn during the weekend away? Well, on the Saturday night, we had really cool worship. And we, then we learned that like the Bible sets us free. But not only that, that Jesus sets us free. Great, yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, we had a really good session, amazing session, on Sunday night where we worshipped God. And I really felt like the young people went to the next level with their worship and getting prayer. And yeah, it was just an amazing time. So, Lydia, last question for you. Then you can clap. <laughs> um, so, since coming back home, what have you brought from the weekend away into your everyday life? So, Rachel's um, talk, which was one of the last ones, I think, it was about the truth setting you free and that all the lies we believe that they're not about ourselves, that they're not really true, and that through God and through the Bible, we can know what's like really true about ourselves. Beautiful. Give these three a round of applause. Okay, so, um, so yeah, we had a fantastic weekend away, and, um, and, what's, and like Sarah said, what's been really great is just to kind of get to know the young people and get to know um, their heart and just kind of grow with them. And um, we're going we're gonna to pick up now the, uh, the kind of uh, preaching series that's been going on for the last few weeks. And over the last three weeks, we've been talking about um, kind of uh, the Old Testament and kind of who's in there. And we, both, we all started talking about Noah, really. And uh, that's kind of who we're going to kind of look at this morning. Um, and over the last few weeks, we've just talked about what is it about Noah that is so amazing? What is it that we can learn from Noah um, and we've put together uh, a talk, which you're going to hear in just a little bit. But first, 
we've actually managed to dig up some um, unseen documents ever before. Um, and that's actually um, Mrs. Noah's messages in a bottle. We've, um, we've unearthed them from deep below the sea. And, uh, and Mrs. Noah is going to come, uh, come and read them for us. But before she does that, there is a bit of audience participation involved in this. Don't worry. You're not going to get messy or dirty. But um, we go, we've got some instructions on the screen that we need you to take part in. So the first one will be rain noises. So you can pat, tap your fingers. You can kind of make shushing noises. But let's just make some rain. Perfect. And the next one is groan. Perfect. The next one. Rain noises again. Perfect. The next one. You can maybe hold your nose for that one. And last one, I think that's, I think that's it. Uh, oh, brilliant. Okay, so we're going to go to the start now, and we're going to meet Mrs. Noah. This is a bottle for messages, that's it. Dear anyone, this is our 39th day of float and my 15th message in a bottle. If only the rain would stop. I promise never to grumble about the weather again. Dear anyone. Yes, it has to be that. Anyone. Can there be anyone out there after all this rain? I wish I'd taken no one more seriously now. Packed a few more novels and, more, and my knitting. Don't suppose I'll ever finish that sweater for Shem now. Dear anyone. Anyone from the human race, anyone else to talk to apart from these morning minis. They do nothing, just sit around complaining what runs out next. Down to our last few... We're totally out of bananas and mulberry leaves. Down to our last few sacks of corn, but surprise, surprise, still got plenty of barrels of beer. Oh well, we can die merry, I suppose. Dear anyone... You must be in a boat like us. Have you even seen the tip of a mountain? Did you rescue insects as well? And if you did, can I like swat a few in here? They give me the creeps, these big orange spiders. And how's your smell? Can't be worse than ours. And tell me this. How come all the fish got saved, but only two of everything else? Please no pun about souls. Dear anyone, I'm running out of pencil and I've smashed the last bottle. So now for the crucial message. If this carrier pigeon reaches, please come urgently to this large ark. I'm trapped in the elephant house. No one is answering and one of the beasts is standing on my foot. Fantastic. Okay, well, without further ado, we're going to hand over to our young people who are going to bring this morning's message to us. So, Sam, we're going to kick off with you. We've all heard the story of Noah's Ark before. Whether you were taught the story in Sunday school or you watched Russell Crowe put a Hollywood spin on everything in the movie Noah, it's not exactly a Bible story that's been filed away under the category, nice but forgettable. Instead, there's been a fascination spanning centuries about this story. You mean God floods the world? 
God saves one geriatric and his family. All those animals on one boat. But this isn't a fun story to entertain children. This is a story that reveals to us more about who God is and his plan for his children. This morning, Ignite are going to take you through some of the thoughts that we've been having as we looked at the story over the last couple of weeks. Picture the scene. You're minding your own business, doing your daily Old Testament things, when all of a sudden, out of the blue, God tells you that he's going to bring a flood and he wants you to build an ark for you and your family and two of every animal. Now that's not exactly the sort of news you can take standing up. It's like being told by God to quit playing Fortnite, being told to become an MP, or try tying a metal rod to a bike and to a tree and cycling down a hill. You might have to YouTube TGF boss to find out what I'm talking about. It may have gone something like this. Really him, aren't you? You want more proof? I haven't done the fellow salt thing in a while. That's all right. I believe you. I just, I don't understand why you chose me. You want to change the world, son. So do I. What? Why an ark? I mean, that's like flood territory. You wouldn't do that again. You wouldn't do that. Would you do that? Let's just say that whatever I do, I do because I love you. Well, then you have to understand that this whole building an ark thing is really not part of my plans here. I need to settle into my house. I need to make a good impression at work. <laughs> what? Your plan. <laughs> What are you talking? I'm, we're talking about an ark, right? I mean, an ark? An ark is huge. I don't even know where I would begin. Well, I hear that a lot. People want to change the world, don't know how to begin. You want to know how to change the world, son? One act of random kindness at a time. Build the ark. I'll tell you what. You build it, I'll fill it. And if anybody asks, tell them flood's coming. Oh, and uh, you might need this. Okay. Okay, so what do I do? I grab the wood. Oh, okay. You know, that's just cruel. Do you see him? I don't see him. Building an ark the old-fashioned way. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He lives in all things and has over 6 billion, 700 million children. Okay, so it might not have been quite like that. But the Bible describes it like this in Genesis 6. God saw that the human evil was out of control. People fought evil. Imagined evil, 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 evil from morning, night to day. God was sorry that he had made the human race in the first place. It broke his heart. God said, I'll get rid of my ruined creation, 
make a clean sweep. People, animals, snakes and bugs, birds, the works. I'm sorry I made them. But Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. This is the story of Noah. Noah was a good man, a man of integrity in his community. Noah walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. As far as God was concerned, the earth had become a sewer. There was violence everywhere. God took one look and saw how bad it was. Everyone corrupt and corrupting. Life itself corrupt to the core. God said to Noah, it's all over. It's the end of the human race. The violence is everywhere. I'm making a clean sweep. Build yourself a ship with tweak wood. Make rooms in it. Caught it with pitch inside and out. Make it 400 feet, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Build a roof for it and put it in a window 18 inches from the top. Put in a door on the side of the ship and make three decks lower, middle, and upper. I'm going to bring a flood to the earth that will destroy everything alive under heaven. Total destruction. But I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You'll board the ship, and your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives will come on board with you. You are also to take two of each living creature, a male and a female, on board the ship to preserve their lives with you. Two of every species of bird, mammal, and reptile. Two of everything, so as to preserve their lives along, along with yours. Also, get all the f- food you'll need and store it up for you and them. Noah did everything God commanded him to do. If there's one thing that you could discover and not argue with about Noah after reading this story, is that he was obedient. He certainly does what he's told. But why Noah? Why does God choose Noah? It says in Genesis 6, verses 8, that Noah found favour in the eyes of God. Noah was not without sin. We can sometimes picture him as this perfect man who never did anything wrong. And that's why he was God's chosen one. But actually, that's inaccurate. Instead, rather than it being about being sinful or sinless, God chooses Noah because he walked with God. When God brings the news of his plans to flood the earth to Noah, he doesn't laugh it off or reject God. Instead, he listens to God and does what he says. Noah's obedience is crucial to God's plan being fulfilled. God could have just flooded the earth of everyone and started completely from scratch, but he chooses to use Noah. You see, God wants to use each and every one of us. It's incredible that God's plan for his earth has people at the centre of it. God created mankind in his image and aims for people to fill the earth with God's glory reflected through their faith and righteousness. But that all begins from a place of obedience. Consider that for yourself for a moment. Maybe you can think of a time when you were obedient to something God asked. Didn't it reflect God's glory to a far greater extent than the times when you tried to do things in your own strength or through your own plans and desires? Think of it like this. When a loving parent gives an instruction to their child, it's because they want them to prosper and stay safe. By being obedient to their parent's instruction, and it saves them, saves them and helps them to thrive. 
In the same way, Noah's obedience saved him and enabled mankind to thrive. The story of Noah strikes a challenging message to us. What could it look like if we were the Noahs of today? If we were righteous, blameless and followers of God in the people of our time? What could happen? Could we transform the city, this nation, if we choose to be obedient to God? How much more could we reflect the glory of God if we choose to follow everything God asked of us? So often it's easy the, the easy option to choose our own path. But what's more important is choosing to do what is good for us, not what is easiest for us. Thank you. So the second thing that we learn about Noah is his immense patience. It's not as if the flood happens quickly overnight and the next day the water subsides and everything's back to normal. No, this is actually a mammoth test of endurance that lasts for almost six months. Patience is something that all of us can struggle with. In fact, it's something we get to grips with at a very early age. Take a look at the screen as we see some children deciding whether to be patient or impatient. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? All right. Go do something and then I'll come back. It's yummy, yummy. You can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair, okay? Okay. So I'm going to leave and then I'll come back, okay? 
So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. So, Noah's Flood isn't exactly a story about delayed gratification and doubling up on marshmallows, but it does teach us about patience when we consider that all the time that Noah and his family spent on the ark. We often remember the flood as being 40 days long, and that's partly true. In Genesis 7, verse 17, it says that for 40 days, the flood kept on coming on the earth. So it did take 40 days for the flood to cover the earth, but in fact, the flood itself lasted for 150 days. I don't know about you, but there are, there are some things that I'd love to do for 150 days, like go on holidays, sleep, or even play Fortnite. But sitting on a boat, <laughs> sitting on a boat with a bunch of high-maintenance animals for 150 days is not one of them. Poor Noah and his family. All they probably wanted to be, be doing was watching Netflix, not shoveling the dung out of the donkey enclosure on the lower deck. But rather than seeing those 150 days as though God ran the bath, went to make tea and forgot he'd left the taps running. Actually, God's timing is always perfect. There's a reason why God's, plan don't ha- God's plans hap- don't happen overnight, because it develops patience in us. How many times have you been frustrated because God hasn't done something as soon as you'd like him to do? We, how often do we want God to act instantly, only to find that he makes us wait? It's not because God's a cruel, distant God that wants to make us wait because he enjoys us seeing, seeing us suffer. It's, he's actually the total opposite. God wants us to live a life of total joy and contentness. That comes from a life completely consumed by him. So when God makes us wait, what it does is remind us of how much we need him. It means we don't get to do things in our own strength. It means that we don't set our own timetable for his plans but we surrender ourselves to him and say, God, I'll trust you in this. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run away. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God promises that when we're patient, it doesn't crush us, but instead it raises us up and takes us to a newer, better place. So when we look at how long Noah and his family were in the, the ark, those 150 days weren't in any way wasted. Every one of those 150 days was an opportunity for Noah and his family to draw closer to their father God, to say over and over again, God, I trust you, and to choose to accept that in God's way is worth following. It's not always that easy to be patient. It's not always easy to let God take the steering wheel, but we have to accept the challenge that by having the faith and patience in God, we'll experience his good promises in our lives. Fortunately, I don't have a video. (laughs) Uh, So this is about God's plan for our salvation. So we know that Noah was really obedient and patient. 
And those are, those are the two things that saw Noah through his building of the ark and those months on board. Of course, that wasn't the end of the story. Uh, the floods subside and Noah and his family leave the ark celebrating that God's promise has been fulfilled by building an altar to God. It's at this point that God makes a promise with Noah. This is what it says in Genesis 9. Then God spoke to Noah and his sons, I'm setting up my covenant with you, including your children who will come after you, along with everything alive around you, birds, farm animals, wild animals that came out of the ship with you. I'm setting up my covenant with you that never again will any, um, everything living be destroyed by flood waters. No, never again will a flood destroy the earth. Uh, God continued, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and everything living around you and everyone living after you. I'm putting my rainbow in the clouds, a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. From now on, when I form a cloud over the earth and the rainbow appears in the cloud, I remember my covenant between me and you and everything living, that never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When the rainbow appears in the cloud, I'll see it and remember the internal covenant between God and everything living, every last living creature on earth. You see, God makes a promise to Noah, because like we said earlier, God isn't about seeing us suffer. Instead, his big plan is to redeem the earth so that everything displays his glory. And that's the big idea here. This is a story about redemption, not just a story about a package holiday cruise with Noah and a few zoo animals. It is a story of redemption that foreshadows the story of Jesus, but so often we never link the two together. Let's remember those parallels in this way. Jesus preached to the people who, for the most part, imitated the attitudes of Noah's generation. Both were speaking to the generation of people that had turned from God and were living their own lives. Both Jesus and Noah are both obedient to God. They both follow God's plans in order to save. While a wooden ark delivered Noah from physical death, a wooden cross delivered us from spiritual death. Just as Noah obeyed God by climbing onto a boat to save a few, Jesus obeyed his father by climbing onto a cross to save many. Lastly, both the story of Noah and the salvation story of Jesus displays the promise of God. As Noah's story ends, God makes the covenant promise with Noah that he'll never flood the whole earth again. And the salvation story of Jesus is so famously summed up in this way in John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When we separate the story of Noah from the wider story of the Bible, we fail to see that it tells us about the faithful promise of God living in relationship and union with us. Perhaps it's all too easy to forget that, but we can never forget is that God promises eternal life for all who believe. Similarly, God promised life to Noah because he believed. When you're struggling, remember the most important thing you can do is believe. When you have faith in God and his plans, you get to see the more of God in his fullness. That's great. So... So as we said, you know, all of that stuff is stuff that the youth have been talking about in Ignite over the last few weeks. It's all stuff that they've been, yeah, kind of just talking about and looking at what does the Bible really say. And I hope that this morning that what they've said has kind of met with you and rung true with some of the stuff that maybe you're going through. And maybe something that we've brought up has really resonated with you. Maybe you've been challenged to obey God in all that he's asking you to do. Maybe you're finding that tough at the moment. Maybe you know that 
God is telling you to do something and you know that you're resisting. Maybe you're struggling to live in patience. Maybe your default is to want God to do what you want when you want it. As the youth have kind of shared this morning, let's take Noah's obedience and his patience as an example, that God uses that patience for our good. Maybe you just need reminding of God's redemption, that God is making all things new, including us and through us. And maybe even it's just you've been really challenged or encouraged by seeing the young people bringing this message this morning. We're always telling them about the amount of teenagers that there are in the Bible, being obedient, following God's plan, building God's kingdom, writing his story. And the young people in this church are no different. And so um, whatever it is this morning, I'd really encourage you to, um, they're going to want to run away outside afterwards, but I'd really encourage you to just speak to them and just say thank you or just tell them what they shared this morning that encouraged you. Um, and, um, and I think actually, you know, what's fantastic is that as church, it doesn't begin when all the kids go out, but actually church takes place uh, in the, this part of the building, in the light centre, on Friday night, in the youth leaders' homes during the week. Um, that's all church. And, um, and actually, I hope that one of the things that I really hope that this morning would do is remind us that we're all church uh, from every age. And, uh, and so often it can be really easy to just kind of slip off into the, the slipstream and go, go into our groups and so on. But we are all church, and, and, and I pray that what the youth have shared this morning, what God's put on their heart, will really speak to you. So I'm just going to pray to close, um, and, um, and then we'll uh, yeah, probably close the service. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word, Lord God, that it is full of power, it is full of truth, it is full of um, good news, Lord God. Um, and I thank you that we've been able to hear that this morning, Lord God. Um, I thank you that even the kind of uh, the oldest story in the Old Testament, Lord God, still have relevance to us here in Bradford today. Um, and I thank you for the young people of this church, Lord God. I thank you that, um, that they are encountering you, Lord God, that they have relationships with you just as much as the oldest person in the church, Lord God. And I pray that um, we would constantly, Lord God, just um, yeah, see this church as, as multi-age, um, uh, Lord God, just that we can learn so much from each and every one of each other, Lord God. So, Father, would you take what we've heard this morning, Lord God? Would you place it in our hearts, Lord God, and seal it, and help us to grow over the week, Lord God, as we just remember those things that we've been challenged on uh, to remember, Lord God. So, Father, just bless our weeks as we go out today. In Jesus' name, amen.